Hello and welcome to Small Batches. I'm your host, Adam Hawkins. In each episode, I share a small batch software delivery education aiming to help you find flow, feedback, and learning in your own daily work. Topics include DevOps, Lean, continuous delivery, and conversations with industry leaders. Now, let's begin today's episode. This episode is something entirely different. It's a story about leadership, team communication, and collaboration. I hope you enjoy. Brian returned to his desk. He'd just finished a walk to clear his head in preparation for the work ahead. Tomorrow was launch day. His team had worked for months on Project Banana. He chose Banana to keep it playful, even though the project was difficult and complicated. Project Banana was the team's code name for a massive project for migrating all the services from their own one-off infrastructure to container orchestration. The team was almost a year into the project. Every few weeks, the team executed the carefully choreographed process of establishing a proxy that could split traffic between the old service and the new service running in containers. Brian was happy with the progress at this point. Each migration was successful, and there was a few unexpected kinks, but the team always found a way to complete the process. Today, the end was in sight. Just one more piece to go. The monolith. Brian was happy that his team's work had not negatively impacted any SLOs, and he wanted to keep it that way, but the most challenging piece would happen tomorrow. Brian let out an anxious sigh before he sipped his coffee. The walk cleared out some thoughts, but opened the door to new ones. What could go wrong? What haven't we prepared for? And a bit of imposter syndrome with, am I really ready for this? Another sip of coffee, and the Latin stoic model ran through his head. Premeditatio malorum. He knew tomorrow would be stressful, and more importantly, he had to know the launch sequence inside and out because tomorrow he would be calling the plays. A big header displayed monolith launch sequence on his ultra-wide display. The page view counter read 238. Time for one last mental rehearsal and prepping notes for tomorrow. Brian read through the launch sequence looking for the pre-declared abort points and the points of no return. Each of these points provided the team a moment to control the clock and observe the current condition. These pauses would allow the team to sync up, collaborate, discuss the path forward, and commit to the next steps. More importantly, they were already baked into the process, so no one needed to feel off calling a pause. The ultra-wide came in handy. He split the screen 50-50, one side for Confluence and the other side for his notes in Notion. Brian tried to write what he would say while leading tomorrow's launch. Begin with the end in mind, he thought to himself as he wrote down the first things he'd tell his team. He reached for his cup and glanced in, lucky to find one last sip inside. He took it as a sign to stop thinking and start writing. The flux came on as the hours passed. Finally content with his notes, he jammed command Q, closing everything in an act of confident completion. Tomorrow was launch day. All that was left was getting a good night's sleep. Zoom applications launched all over the country while the team joined the call. Marco was the first to join. Marco handled the container orchestration. Lindsay and Diego joined a few minutes later. Lindsay knew the front end to back end. Diego handled the database and caches. Diego settled into his chair and pulled the boom arm closer. Where's Gene? 
She should be here already, Diego asked. He shook his head in embarrassment when the words, Jean is in the waiting room, showed at the top of the Zoom window. Off to a great start, he muttered when he pressed the button to let Jean in. Jean waved hello to everyone just as her webcam flipped on. What's up all, she said to the group. Hopefully the proxy, quipped Lindsay while others chuckled and checked their dashboards. Jean handled the proxy and the other infrastructure needed to coordinate the launch. Jean didn't take it seriously because she knew Lindsay was just joking around. Everyone was confident enough to engage in banter and some friendly teasing. This wasn't the team's first rodeo. In fact, this was the last one in Project Banana. Spirits were high and each person was excited to finally move the monolith onto container infrastructure. Brian was the last person to join the call. He said, thanks for waiting up a few minutes, team, while smirking over his mug of freshly brewed coffee. Everyone knew he was delayed making his favorite pour-over coffee. A few minutes of chit-chat passed as the team settled in. Brian hit the hotkey to split his display, hit the hotkey to split Zoom to the other side, and his notes from last night on the other. He began reading his prepared remarks for the first play. Okay, gang, today's the day where we finally ship this thing. We've all gone over the launch sequence separately and together as a team. We have escape hatches at known abort points and plan checkpoints along the way. We will follow the launch sequence to each waypoint using the telemetry from our systems to check the current condition at each step of the way. We have multiple waypoints to cross, so let's move deliberately and one step at a time. Heads nodded along in each zoom square. So far, we've managed to do each of these migrations without major incidents. Let's aim to keep it that way, so if any of you see a problem, then pull the and on cord like we've always done. Throw up the silent reaction in Zoom or send an at channel siren emoji blast in Slack. We won't continue until the team can swarm on the problem and commit to the next steps. Remember that it's better to pull the and on cord than proceed in uncertain conditions. I'll monitor the Zoom call in our Slack channel for end on pulls. And Brian continued speaking. Each one of these migrations has had its own unexpected hiccups. We don't know what they will be, but we know how to handle them. We stop and swarm the problem. Let's not be hasty in our actions. It's better to allow some failures to continue while we investigate what's happening than take improper action and make the situation worse. We have an air budget for a reason, so let's use it. I'm holding the pager right now so you're not interrupted while executing the launch sequence. I know you'll need to focus on the launch, so I'll be the goalie. Then he paused for a sip of coffee and to catch his breath and check the time. T minus 10 minutes, right on time for pre-flight checks. Marco pulled up the launch sequence on Confluence and scrolled down to the pre-flight check section. A prepared table was ready. There was a row for each item and a column for each person. Marco flipped down his headset mic and called out the first check. VPN? Green flag reactions filled the zoom window. Brian filled in the table while Marco called out the remaining items. All systems go, Marco declared, flipping his mic up and passed the reins back to Brian. Brian prepared the last round with the team before committing to the launch sequence. Marco, Lindsay, Gene, and Diego time for the final red, yellow, green on launch. Green circles displayed on all the zoom squares. The team was ready. The launch sequence was locked in. Okay, team, we're all green. Time to settle in. Let's light this candle. 
Gene deployed the proxy in preparation for traffic splitting. Gene took control of the screen share. The team watched as she executed the predetermined commands to deploy the proxy. Gene called out, deploy proxy instance, and Brian noted the time and telemetry on the launch sequence document. Adding old system load balancer behind the proxy, followed by connecting container ingress to proxy, shouted Gene. Brian recorded the team had cleared the first waypoint. Onward to T2. Gene, time for the next step. Run the acceptance test against the proxy. Roger that, Gene act. Log streamed across the terminal. This was just the debug logs. All that mattered was the green text tests passed at the bottom of the screen. Brian scrolled the launch sequence down to T3. T3 was the last point before the traffic would split between the old and new system. The team knew another check was in order. Everyone, red, yellow, green, let's see them, instructed Brian. He saw four green indicators. Roger, roger, Brian echoed. Next stop, T4. We're going to start splitting traffic between the old system and new system using a 95-5 split. I know we've done this before, but everyone stay on top of their use signals. We're not expecting problems at this point, but pull the and on cord if you spot a problem. The launch sequence calls for running at this traffic split for 15 minutes of observation. If all good, after that 15 minutes, we'll ramp up to 80-20. Gene, you have the controls. Brian noted down the completion of T3 on the launch sequence dock. Gene called out the command to split over only 1% of traffic. Marco acted the command as correct and Gene smashed the enter key. Suddenly, blue bars appeared on all of the charts. Gene confirmed the expected appearance on her traffic charts. Connection queues looked good, the latencies were stable, and more importantly, no red bars on the air charts. Diego gave a thumbs up on his charts because there was no delta just as expected. There was no new traffic to the data layer, just traffic coming from different sources. Marco didn't need to say anything. The charts did the talking for him. Signals looked good. The charts showed an expected increased load on the utilization and an increase in the active containers. No sign of exhaustion. There was plenty of capacity on the table. Marco reacted with a confident let's rock emoji in the chat. Lindsay plus one Marco's reaction. No errors from the application side. Copy that, ramping up to 5% split as planned. She copied the command from the launch sequence and waited for audio confirmation. This time, Lindsay gave the go-ahead. Gene pressed one finger on the keyboard, and the same blue bars just got a whole lot taller. Much more traffic was flowing to the new system. Okay team, now we're at T4 in the launch sequence, with a 95-5 split between the two systems. Keep watch on the use signals and let's check back in 15 minutes as planned, said Brian. Everyone went on mute as they leaned back to observe what was happening. It didn't seem like much at the time, but this was the first time the monolith was running on new infrastructure in over five years. They were more curious just to see how the system would behave in production, not concerned with the success of the moment. Project Banana still had a way to go. Diego leaned forward in his chair. Something didn't look right. The quarries per second numbers were higher than he remembered. Blue bars seem okay, he thought to himself, but now what about the red bars? His eyes moved to the next portion of his dashboard. No errors or dropped connections. No red bars. Now Diego was fully hunched over his mic. Lindsay, my traffic numbers are high. What do you see, he asked cautiously. 
Lindsay didn't notice anything, so she passed the question to Jean. Jean, how did the traffic numbers look? The blue bars grew even taller as Jean watched her dashboard. Uh, something is happening. Our traffic volume is increasing. Now everyone could see the increased volume on their own charts, but no red bars. The air budgets were still okay. Let's sit tight for a few minutes and see if this goes away. Let's not be overreactionary. We've seen this before, Jean said while she motioned for calm with her hands. Five Slack notifications appeared simultaneously on five different computers. The CMO posted an at-channel message plastered with clapping and Sada emojis. A big celebrity had just posted about the company's products on social media. She was overjoyed by such a fortuitous event. The CEO and a bunch of others reacted with money bags and party parrots. Butt cheeks clenched on the Project Banana call. The blue bars were growing taller by the second. The team was just beginning the launch sequence on a delicate production migration that was almost a year in the making, just when an unexpected event drove tons of new customers to the site. Lindsay broke the silence. Okay, wow, what timing, right? I know we've done the load testing and simulations based on normal traffic levels. The traffic level right now is already high and who knows how long this wave will persist or even if it will get bigger. Just how big is the difference between the current traffic and our tests? Jean pulled up her dashboard and looked at the historical comparison. She saw the blue bars still growing taller out of the corner of her eye. The customers keep coming, but luckily the errors did not. Jean put her dashboard on the screen share and calmly stated, We're about four times over our tested levels. We're in uncharted territory here. Marco snapped his mic into place just outside his mouth. I vote we cut off traffic to the new system and send 100% of traffic to the old system. We know the old system can take it. We don't know if the new system can. We don't want to risk it. Lindsay, Diego, and Gene all put a thumbs up center frame. There was no need for discussion. Everyone knew what needed to be done. Gene copied and pasted the command to engage the escape hatch. Marco acted the command and Gene hit the enter key with a quickness. Everyone watched as the blue bars moved from one chart to the other. Now the old system was dutifully chugging along, handling the unexpectedly high traffic. The situation seemed stable for a moment, but there was still one thing left to do. Jean posted the words and on with a liberal amount of siren emojis and the all-powerful at channel and the team slack. Brian's Apple Watch vibrated his arm. He knew that meant only one thing. He double-checked the notification. It was an Andon pull. He cut his walk short and sprinted back to his desk. Luckily, he was only a minute away. Brian returned to his desk as quickly as he could. His slack lit up like a Christmas tree. Everyone was pinging everyone about this unexpected free marketing. He collected himself for a moment, remembered the Andon protocol, and then rejoined the call. Thank you for surfacing this problem, Gene, he said calmly. Please show me what's going wrong. Let's go straight to the charts, Jean responded. Jean put her dashboard back on screen share. The team leaned in to see what Jean was seeing. Look at the jump in these traffic volume charts. Check what the CMO posted on Slack. We're getting slammed with traffic because the celebrity started mentioning us. Great for the business, but a challenge for us, Jean explained while she mentioned the ever-growing blue bar charts. Brian gave the visual nod. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Please continue. See these traffic charts here, Brian? Volumes kept growing. That's when Lindsay pointed out the problem. 
These traffic numbers are currently four times higher than our load test against the new infrastructure, Gene said. Gene watched Brian's face grimace. She had a hunch that he knew what happened next, but he asked anyway. Oh my, so there's the problem. What did you do next? Well, all of us decided to pull the abort handle as written in our launch plan. We cut off traffic to the new system and sent 100% of traffic to the old system. We know the old system can handle it. Now we're in the abort state and we do not know how to proceed. The traffic volumes are still way higher than we've tested for. That puts our air budget at risk and we simply don't know what will happen if we dump the load on the new system. Gene finished and Diego, Marco, and Lindsay all nodded in consensus. Brian sensed the apprehension in the team. He knew that this was a joint decision. All right, this is good. I appreciate all of your focus on maintaining the air budget and care in executing this launch safely. I'm sure the business would happily ride this free press, so we don't want to cause any problems while it's happening, but we also need to finish the launch, Brian said, careful to celebrate the team's work. Brian knew it was time to pivot into a different mode. He had to set the stage and call the next play. Now we're in the abort state. Lucky for us, this is a stable state. The old system is chugging along. This means we have time to pause, collaborate, and commit to the next step. External conditions changed, so we must change with them. We need to discuss and decide together what that change is. Let's begin with the failure mode and effects analysis around the high traffic levels. Everyone, please respond with green, yellow, red on how this will impact a new system. I'm guessing the Andon pull came from instinct. Nothing wrong with that, but let's aim for more empirical analysis at this point. I'll be back in 20 minutes to check the result. Brian waved the sign off and went off cam. Brian wanted to give the team free time and space for the failure mode and effect analysis. More importantly, he did not want his presence or reactions influencing their analysis. He hoped his absence would communicate he trusted them. Plus, Brian knew he could use the time to mentally prepare himself for guiding the team through the dialogue towards the next steps. Time to put on the coaching hat and prepare to go to the Gemba. The timer on Brian's watch buzzed and prompted him to flip his cam back on. Brian saw three green responses and one red. He knew he could work through this. He revealed his mental playbook. Have the minority speak first. And that meant starting with Gene. Brian inquired, Gene, I see you responded with red. Can you explain why? Gene took a breath to pause and started her analysis. I'm worried that if we proceed as planned, then we'll blow through the connection cues in the proxy leading the timeout errors in 500 responses that will eat through our error budget, she explained. She zoomed in on the chart and annotated the screen to drive her point home. Look at this chart over here. This is queue saturation in the time we only had a small split of traffic. We're already pushing much higher than expected. I think we can assume a linear relationship between traffic and queue saturation, but it could be worse. Right now, we're in uncharted territory. Jean watched the reaction on her teammates' faces. Heads shook in dismay while others breathed a sigh of relief because, like Voldemort, part of the problem was named. Our aim is to complete this migration without negatively impacting production. I know we can't do that if we follow the launch sequence as planned, Gene finished. Brian was happy to see one level deeper understanding of the problem condition. Gene responding with red signaled that a team member could confidently raise the issue with the team. It was a sign of how safe Gene felt. Yeah, thanks, Gene. 
I see, and the nods amongst the team indicate as well that this is a definite problem. Anything else behind the red response? asked Brian. Gene followed with a deep nod and then kept going. The proxy is only the first link in the chain. I'm not sure if other parts of the chain can cope with these significantly higher than expected traffic volumes. The proxy is just the first of our problems. Lindsay noticed the wheels turning in Marco's head. It looked like he was somewhere else. Marco, what about utilization and saturation signals from the container orchestration? How big of a problem is this? The sound of Marco's name got his attention, and he flipped his mic down. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Let me think for a second. And he buried his face with his hands. Right, Marco began a few moments later. We've configured the service to scale horizontally based on load. These traffic levels will definitely cause scale-outs in the container infrastructure. He grabbed the screen share and pointed the team to his compute utilization chart. Gene's chart shows we're still four times higher than anticipated traffic volumes, but we only have a 20% buffer in the infrastructure to handle these scale-outs. The team noticed a line chart hovering just below the yellow warning marker. Here's our problem, though. We're migrating to these containers to keep the company on budget. We could handle this traffic volume by scaling out the container infrastructure to match, but that's a no-go because we've already maxed the spend on infrastructure. Completing the migration is the only way for us to free up money at this point. It's a catch-22. I'm 90% sure that we'll increase latency across all the services running in containers even if we could at such a large blast radius. At that point, we're not talking about problems in one service, but unpredictable problems in many services. Marco's head shook in a mix of fear and disappointment. He ended with, this is dangerous. I'm going from green to yellow. Brian knew this discussion could spiral into problems only. He knew he needed to control the discussion. Yeah, I hear you, Marco, but this is good. So far, we've identified two problems ahead of us. Queue saturation and container compute capacity. Let's see what else we can find, Brian said calmly to the team. Now, best to revisit Lindsay and Diego. They were still green. Diego, I see you're still holding green. You have a different take. I'm curious. Can you explain? Definitely, Brian, Diego responded while he organized his desktop in preparation for a screen share. Here are the utilization and saturation charts for each database and cache going back six months. Each chart has traffic volume on a separate axis. And check this out as he annotated each chart with a circle. See, we've had multiple periods with these higher traffic volumes without saturating these instances. This chart shows the connection queue depth and corresponding traffic volume. We have plenty of headroom, even if more celebrities started piling on. I know that we've been through this before, so I know we're good. That's why I'm holding green. He closed the screen share, and thumbs-up reactions and encouraging nods confirmed everyone else felt the same. Thanks, Diego. This is good news. I appreciate the historical analysis and helpful charts. Lindsay, you're still showing green. How do you read the situation, inquired Brian. Lindsay had been mum the whole time. She understood the problem at a conceptual level, but knew that deploying a solution was outside of her capabilities, but that didn't stop her from wanting to help the team. She considered herself a real programmer. She knew the framework code, the app code, and a bunch of the supporting libraries. She led the team that ensured the app maintained horizontal scalability. In a sense, she listened proudly as the system would work as expected until it smacked up against other constraints. 
While everyone was talking, she slapped together a system diagram with sticky notes in Miro. This was her mental model of the system. She put the bang emoji to indicate problems and gathered her thoughts. Lindsay felt this was one of her superpowers, not mired in the white box implementation details of everything, but generalist enough at the black box level to see the bigger picture. Lindsay put her mirror board on screen share and started to talk. Okay, first, here's my mental model of the system, as she motioned with her mouse pointer. We have the proxy in front of both systems that can split traffic to each. The new service is horizontally scaled in container infrastructure based on load. Our container infrastructure has a hard cap on how much compute it can consume according to our budgets. The team listened intently to the recap, grateful for the simple explanation of the system and the problem. We know we can't do anything here, she pointed at the bang emoji on the container infrastructure sticky. That takes one variable out of the equation. So we're left with two variables, the proxy and traffic volumes. She paused for a moment when Brian interjected with, what are the possible countermeasures to these problems? By now, everyone had joined the mirror board. Cursors moved about the screen. Marco flipped down his mic and selected the arrow between the proxy and the new service running in containers. So if this is a simple matter of high traffic volumes, then what if we reduce the traffic? He made the arrow thinner on the board to drive his point home. We can control the traffic split with the proxy. This is a key safety mechanism for us, so let's lean into it. We can reduce the ramp-up time to control the load. Marco mimicked a volume knob with his hand, first turning quickly and then turning up more slowly. Verbal nods filled each team member's headphones. Brian noticed the team making progress. This was one possible countermeasure. Jean chimed in with her thoughts. Marco's idea would work, but slowing down the ramp-up time would significantly extend the launch sequence beyond our scheduled window. Perhaps that's okay, but I cannot say so. Also, we're assuming that we cannot spare any money to increase the compute available to our container infrastructure. Are we really sure that this is true? And even so, that assumes that we can clear traffic through the proxy. We don't have any countermeasure to that problem yet. Normally, I just say we just scale out the proxy, but we're low on budget to support that too. She grimaced while she said it, feeling like her own understanding of the problem had painted her into a corner. Jaws clenched on the call. They collectively saw the finish line of Project Banana fall below the horizon. Now, Brian restrained himself from speaking, instead choosing to focus on visualizing the countermeasures on the mirror board for everyone to see. Now, the dialogue had ended. Brian checked his notes for any pre-planned advice. He paused to consciously plan his next words. Gene, thank you for the analysis. Now, you're saying we can't scale horizontally. What's the real challenge for you in scaling vertically instead? He asked and then let the question sit. Jean's head shook with confusion and then her eyes circled around her head processing a new question. The mental wheels were turning. Right, she said slowly as the doors opened for her. I had never considered that. I don't even know what that would look like. The team pondered in silence, hoping someone did know what vertical scaling the proxy looked like. Brian waited longer, ensuring he was the last to speak, then asked the follow-up. Gene, well, what do you want out of the proxy? That question was enough to change the thinking from open-ended to closed-ended for Gene. This was a question she could answer. That's easy. We need larger connection queues to prevent saturating the proxy, Gene said with confidence. Okay, Gene, what's the real challenge for you in increasing the connection queues? Brian asked calmly. 
Befuddled, Jean said, I don't even know how to do that or where even to start. Luckily, there was a team with diverse expertise to support her. All right, team, how can we help Jean? Brian prompted to the group. Diego spoke up, channeling his internal kernel geek. Jean, can you show that chart again with the max Q size? I have a hunch that that value is lower than what the underlying VM supports. Jean threw the dashboard back up on screen share, and Diego stroked his chin while pondering the charts. Yeah, that value does look lower than expected. Can you open the code repo for this? I want to review the configuration. She opened up a YAML file. Bingpot, exclaimed Diego as he circled out the commented line. Classic configuration problem. The defaults are always too conservative. Let's max this out and we should be good to go. Wow, I can't believe we missed that through all these launches, Gene said with muffled shock. The team breathed a collective sigh of relief as one red turned to yellow. Brian saw the beginning of a PDCA loop forming. He knew it was time to grease the wheels. Nice. Great find, Diego. So what's the next step in deploying this countermeasure, coaxed Brian? I'll commit this change and push it through the pipeline. Then I'll check the U-limit settings on the instance against the expected higher value. If all good there, then I'll promote the change to production. We'll have a beefier and more powerful proxy ready to go in no time, explained Diego, writing high on his fix. Brian act with a big thumbs up and then refocused the team on the remaining problem. Diego's fix is a countermeasure to the problem with the queue saturation in the proxy. That's one down. We have another problem, the compute capacity. What are possible countermeasures for the traffic arrow Marco mentioned? The sense of confident curiosity returned to the team, now determined to change the last yellow to green. And Lindsay piped up. There's another assumption we're making. Marco's solution to ramp up traffic more slowly would take more time. That pushes the launch sequence outside our window. I think we're assuming we can't get more time because this launch has been baking for so long that it feels stuck in stone at this point. And what if we're wrong? What if we could get more time? Brian, can we do that? And the aha moment bells flipped on for everyone. Ah, yeah. Okay, I'll check with management to see if we can get extra time and what the impact will be. Now let's assume we get the extra time. I'll be back in 20 minutes to review the updated launch sequence. Brian left the Zoom call to confer with management. Lindsay took the lead in updating the launch sequence while Brian was away. Brian's face filled the Zoom call a bit later. And? Lindsay asked as soon as Brian connected to audio. Well, we've got the extra time, Brian said while displaying two big thumbs up center frame, followed by clapping and Tada reactions. How has the launch sequence changed, Brian asked. Lindsay took the screen share and split it between two documents. The launch sequence on the left and the launch dashboard on the right. The changes are in the early parts of a launch. No abort points have changed. Only our T markers, checkpoint telemetry, and ramp up time, Lindsay explained. The biggest change is on our dashboard. It was clear we needed to improve our visibility into the mental model of the system. We've added a new section to the dashboard for these key saturation signals alongside the air budget charts. We'll monitor these charts at each waypoint along with the predetermined telemetry. We've also tweaked the traffic ramping up pattern after a few iterations. Initially, we planned for a linear ramp up. Now we're going to start more conservative and then speed up as we gain confidence in the operations of the new system. This keep things safe while keeping things on pace. The team nodded while Lindsay finished her summary. Brian was pleased. 
I appreciate the process you use to update the launch sequence. The new visual controls will help achieve our safety goals. I also noticed that each of you contributed to the new signals and checkpoints in the sequence. Now it's time to commit and move forward. Marco, Diego, Lindsay, Jean, red, yellow, green, sound off. Marco, green, Diego, still green, Lindsay, green, importantly, Jean, green. All right, team, we're all green. Time to light this candle. Jean, proceed from T3. Diego already deployed the updated proxy, so let's split that traffic. I'm going back to confer with management on impact of the extended time window. I'll handle them. You all take Project Banana over the finish line. I'll be back in 30 minutes before the launch is scheduled to end. Brian signed off and left the team to execute the revised launch sequence. Gene took control and began the sequence to split traffic between the old and new system. The team leaned in closer to their monitors to see the new blue bars appearing on the traffic charts. Brian returned a few hours later as planned. Everyone seemed laid back on the call this time, a marked difference from the last time he spoke with the team. In fact, no one really even noticed that he had rejoined the call. Oh, Brian is back, everyone, Lindsay spoke up. We're just chilling now. What's the situation now? asked Brian. Lindsay put their launch dashboard on the screen and pointed at a chart where the blue bars had disappeared. Goliath online, Lindsay exclaimed. Proof that those childhood gaming experiences stick with us well through adulthood and into the work itself. Everyone in the team knew what that meant. Clapping and Goliath reactions poured into the chat. It was a definite moment of celebration. This chart shows the point when there was no traffic at all hitting the old system. The chart next to it shows the traffic to the new system. So yeah, Goliath online, she continued. The extra time worked perfectly. That gave us enough time to slow down the ramp up to accommodate the load. Marco had a few tweaks to the container infrastructure during the launch sequence to keep everything running safely. She directed attention to the air charts. Marco chimed in after leaning forward from his chart. Yeah, the lower ramp up time gave us time to get ahead of a few problems. I tweaked the resource allocation to other services already running in the cluster to keep up with the higher traffic volumes. Diego's fixes to the proxy held. There were no real problems and our air budgets are still green. As far as I can tell, there was no negative impact to production and we handled the burst in traffic from the unexpected free press. A feeling of completion washed over Brian. The last service had finally been migrated to the new container infrastructure. Project Banana was complete. It was a big deal for the engineering team and the business itself. All the engineers were stoked to use the container tools compared to the hodgepodge of the old system. Plus, it was even cheaper. That meant more money in the company's pocket to grow the business or invest back into it. Goliath Online indeed, said Brian with a huge smile on his face. Project Banana is complete after all the hard work. Today's launch is a great example of how all of you work to maintain production safety and collaborate on adjustments to the plan in the stressful environment. Not only did we finish the launch, but we did while serving huge amounts of traffic. The management team told me that this unexpected bump in sales puts us well ahead of our quarterly forecasts. It's a massive win-win all around. Now there's one last thing we need to do before we celebrate. I'll schedule a retrospective for next week, so jot down some ideas while they're fresh in your mind. This is great fuel to help us level up as a team. I also got something extra for you. There's a $100 celebratory expense waiting for you. Typically, I'd take everyone out to drinks, but that doesn't work in the remote world. 
will treat you and yours however you like. Brian ended clapping for the team. The team met again a week later for the plan retrospective. Brian kicked it off with a simple question. How can we get better? Jean knew exactly what she wanted to say. Well, we don't need that proxy anymore, but the conservative defaults may exist in other parts of our infrastructure. Odds are we don't want that. Plus, we totally missed that in all of the launch prep work. Diego nodded along the entire time. I agree with Jean. She identified two problems. One, that these settings may already be in production. And two, we don't want to unexpectedly ship these settings into production again. Brian knew the team was on the right track, so he stayed quiet and let the dialogue continue. How can we identify these settings in production across our system? asked Lindsay. Soon enough, various sticky notes were added to the mural board. Teams began voting on the possible solutions. Questions like, what's the first step in this countermeasure? And how confident are we in this countermeasure bounced amongst the group? Brian saw enough shared understanding forming as the discussion reached diminishing returns. This was the moment to bring the team back together to move from thinking to action by committing to next steps. Brian made the T signal with his hands and said, time out, everyone. There's great stuff on the board right now. It seems we are aligned on the background of the problem. We have a clear target condition and some possible countermeasures. But how well do we really understand the current condition? We need clear understanding before proceeding. Any volunteers for driving this target condition with an A3? Brian asked. And two hands went up. The two people looked at each other. Clearly, one person was more interested than the other. When one hand went down, Lindsay's hand was still up. I can do this, Brian, Lindsay said. This is a great opportunity for me to grow my capabilities and learn about the OPSI side of the job. Plus, this should improve things for our team and all the other engineers, right? This sounds like a win-win all around. Brian created the epic for Lindsay's A3 work, and the process continued. Brian kicked off the next iteration with a similar question. Where else can we get better? You've just completed another episode of Small Batches. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did writing it. Most of the examples in this story come from the books Leadership is Language and The Coaching Habit. There is an episode on The Coaching Habit in the back catalog. Maybe you can identify some of the essential questions from that book in this story. Next week, I'll follow up with a standard episode on Leadership is Language, along with some explainers about the communication patterns used in this episode. I really love this book, and my copy is covered in highlights. Anyway, find links for everything on these books and more software delivery education at smallbadges.fm slash 80. I hope to have you back again for the next episode. Until then, happy shipping. <laughs>